0: everyone and welcome again to another edition of convincing coffee break with me mandy brown and richard snape hello there today richard i understand we're going to be talking about the case of rosa versus pacifico limited and if i'm correct it's a high court judgment from may 23 and you told me just before the uh, we started this call that it would be very useful for both commercial and residential property practitioners because it it involves inquiries how to respond and misrepresentation
1: yeah it's actually a residential case on the property information forms the ta6 inquiries but there's messages and lessons to be learned from the cpse inquiries as well on this
0: perfect so who kick off and perhaps you can tell us a little bit about the background facts
1: yeah it was uh, it all took place in Pontcanna in cardiff uh, which i sort of know it's a Posh part of Cardiff, near the cricket ground, the Morgan County Cricket Ground at Sophia Gardens. And uh, the Mrs. Rosa, or Rosa, I don't know how you pronounce it, was buying a investment property, so she thought, an apartment from Pacifico. Pacifico were actually owned, wholly owned by... And Mr. Jones Hughes, who seems to have lived in Sydney in Australia, so had very little to do with the background of, you know, the sale and so on. The property itself was a—it was a house that had been converted into two apartments in 2015, and it was on three floors. And it was advertised, well, I say advertised, the plans stated that there were two bedrooms in this particular apartment. And uh, also, there was an email from an estate agent that described it uh, as, you know, from the estate agent selling the property that described it as two bedrooms. And Mrs. Rossa bought on that basis one of the bedrooms. they got building regulations, I should have mentioned, you know, she... We got building regulations in July of 2016, and she completed soon afterwards. One of the bedrooms had a Velux window in it, which is the sole light of ventilation—you know, sole source of light and ventilation. But uh, normally that wouldn't be a problem. I say they got building regulations and the likes. Normally, a Velux window wouldn't be a problem, but it was in a conservation area. And uh, there's Article 4 directions in place from the council. If you're in a conservation area, you're not supposed to, without planning permission, have windows that overlook the highway or a water course, and this overlook the highway. In October 2017, she got a letter from the council basically telling her to remove the Velux window, and they wouldn't give a certificate of lawfulness. Prior to that, you know, the sale was progressing back in 2016 mr jones hughes had uh filled in the standard residential inquiry ta6 inquiries and it's um if you no doubt no 4.4 which is the question about are there any breaches of uh, planning permission or building regulations and it seems quite honestly mr mr jones hughes it said they weren't aware of any we're not aware of any breaches when that was not the case because they couldn't you know had to remove the velox window they couldn't get building regulations they couldn't use it as a bedroom and so mrs ross's argument was it's not a two-bedroom property after all and that's a misrepresentation
0: okay fascinating um so what was the claim that was being made?
1: It was a misrepresentation. It was actually under the Misrepresentation Act of 1967. And so there was no suggestion of fraud, but uh, it was uh, negligent misrepresentation. You can misrepresent things, you know, if you didn't have reasonable excuse to believe it, it was true at the time. And it can be a negligent misrepresentation. And that's basically what the claim was. It's a claim in court, not in contract, which results in different damages.
0: So, finally, a three-part question for you. What was the judgment? What was its importance? And how would you deal with it in practice?
1: Yeah, it's a quite a short judgment, which makes it quite nice. It's not one of these rambling ones you sometimes get, or I sometimes have to deal with. Basically, the a misrepresentation, they didn't put this in the judgment, but i've done courses on this as you know misrepresentation is basically a false statement of fact which at least partly induces a contract and if you make a statement uh, you know you've got to have reasonable grounds to believe that it's true if it's you know palpably untrue then you know it can still be a misrepresentation you know it doesn't involve statements of opinion but the opinions must be reasonably withheld the standard case which was was quoted in this case is one of those that people do at degree level contract law it's called Smith and Landon House Property Corporation Court of Appeal case from 1884, where they basically stated that the property that was being bought was let to um, a most desirable tenant. And, and at the time, the tenant was in arrears with their rent, so it was obviously something you couldn't reasonably believe. But more significantly, they dealt with course um, poor celeb of conveyancing a few years back, uh, Sindal in Cambridge County Council from 1993. Where the background facts of that is that Sindle was buying this piece of land from the council, intending to build, planning permission to build a small housing development there. And um, they raised an inquiry, are there any public sewers under this land? Because if there are, we'll need a build-over agreement from the utility and you're not going to get a build-over agreement, you're not going to be allowed to build over public sewers. And the response came back, we're not aware of any, as here. And the court decided that not aware was... Uh, Representation you've taken reasonable steps to find out, which in the facts of the case means you should have looked at previous files relating to that property. And if you had, you'd have found that back in the 1930s, sewers, public sewers, had been laid under this land, and that was held to be a misrepresentation as well. Mr. Jones Hughes also tried to argue well, Rosser employed a a reputable conveyancer. Shouldn't the conveyancer have found out about the planning breaches? And the court said that that's not the case. There's no obligation uh, to do that. They quoted one or two cases, including another kind of famous one, Redgrave and Heard, where you were given every opportunity to look at the profitability of a company you were going to buy you know, and inspect the accounts, but you didn't do so, and there's no obligation to do so. So for all those reasons, it was held to be a misrepresentation, and they got damages of £30,000, which was the difference between the value of the t- at the time of a one-bedroom and two-bedroom Apartment in that locality, plus the additional stamp duty land tax that they had had to pay, plus the cost of removing the velox window. And so, what was the other things you asked me, Mandy?
0: So the three parts were: what's the judgment, what's important, and how would you deal with it in practice?
1: Well, somewhere as we speak, you know, commercial and residential, somebody's responding to an inquiry by saying not aware of any, and uh, that's a representation you've taken reasonable steps to find out, and that's been sort of knowledge since. Sindal in Cambridgeshire. But the older um, people listening in, then the old seller's property information forms sort of made that quite clear. It didn't feature in the ta 6s when they came in, but it's there anyway, not aware of any as a representation. In Sindal, I mean, it's also the case that the, the conveyances might be liable if they haven't taken reasonable steps to, to check previous files and like. It's a difficult one in terms of what to do about it because it's a standard inquiry, but. Uh, I think one thing you can do, if it's not a standard inquiry, is don't say not aware or anything that suggests you might have attempted to find out. Rely on your inspection or survey. I've always preferred don't care myself, but I think you get in trouble if you say that. But rely on in- your inspection or survey, and you might just qualify it. There are question marks over it, whether it falls foul of the misrepresentation act because you can only exclude or limit liability for misrepresentations if it's reasonable to do so. But uh, you make clear in your responses, commercial, residential, no investigations have been made. It's not particularly new, anything about Roscoe and Pacifico, but it's a, it's a good reminder. And I do stress there was no suggestion of fraud. They both seem to be quite honest people, and it was still actionable. Be very careful about clients responding not aware. And uh, also, you should be looking at previous files relating to that property if you acted in the past or your firm has. And if you don't like that idea, just say, we haven't looked at previous files. So that's it, Tregossa and Pacifico.
0: Well, thank you very much, Richard. There's certainly a lot of useful information there. And as you say, a great reminder. Mm -hmm. Until next time.
1: Okay, goodbye.
0: You have been listening to another episode of Converancing Coffee Break, the only podcast for busy convincing professionals brought to you by Lawshaw Insurance Brokers, an award-winning UK provider of title insurance. For more information on our free conferences, go to www.lawshawinsurance.co.uk, where you can download recent conference recordings.